1: And enjoy. All right, everybody. This is episode 50 something of In Liberty to Health. I got Miss Christine Womack with me. I said that right, right? Yep. Excellent. How are you?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: Fantastic, as always. Um, so you are here in the great, wonderful, and freezing cold state of Pennsylvania, <laughs> much like me. Um, what kind of brought you to the libertarian movement, and what's your uh, history around that? I see you got a uh, Tim, Joe, Joe Jorgensen stuff hanging up behind you. <laughs>
2: um, so I am a former Republican, uh, very, very Republican family. My grandmother was a Elected tax collector for 45 years and helped get a lot of the uh, judges and representatives and stuff like that into office here in York County. So I come from a very political background um, in, oh my goodness, I voted for McCain. And my ex-husband actually is the one who introduced me to libertarianism when Obama became um, president. You know, we were frustrated with the way that the country was moving and we were looking for other options. And he's the one who introduced me to Ron Paul. So he's definitely my stepping stones into libertarianism. Um, However, it's a lot more of the activists who maintain me in the Libertarian Party, you know, the people with the boots on the ground kind of aspect. Um, And then, so I became active in York County's um, affiliate in 2016 for the Gary Johnson campaign. I helped with the um, promoting the campaign locally. We did parades and meetings for outreach, sign handouts, things of that nature. And then, um, I ended up backing away for the party from a little bit because of being sexually harassed by some members of the local affiliates who are no longer with it. So that's fine. Um, in 2018, I started getting active again and I was, I was asked to be the, um, state manager for joe jorgensen's campaign in 2020 after i had um so enthusiastically volunteered to try and arrange all these different events they're like oh someone who wants to do something let's give her more work <laughs> um so i ended up being the manager for joe jorgensen's campaign here in pennsylvania alongside sam rob and i, I got the privilege of escorting spike around the state which was amazing to see him and work um and then in the meantime of all of that from 2018 to now, I've been the vice chair of York. I've been the community organizer of York. I'm currently the community organizer of York. And, uh, and I've helped get, I ran uh, Tim McMaster. I think he was just on your show not too yep. long ago. Check that out. He, uh, he ran a special election last spring. So I was his campaign manager. And then um, also managing Joe Slosky and Nicole Schultz, um, who are running for uh, governor and lieutenant governor respectfully. So it's kind of like where I came from to where I am now. Awesome. Um,
1: So let's go back to 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, It feels like a decade ago, even though it was only like six years ago. Um, Do the people seem different from then to now? Because back then we had the two absolute characters of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump back then. And it seemed like, Everybody was kind of like starting to get a little bit involved, but then it seemed like over the last six years, the tensions and the amount that the average person is kind of involved in thinking about politics has just been levered to the freaking max and it's so in in everybody's face. Um, Did it feel that way back then when you were kind of talking to people and hosting these events for Gary?
2: Um, we definitely saw a frustrated people with what was being presented as option or what they considered option, in my opinion. Um,
1: they're not really too far apart. They're, they're when, really
2: not, yeah. and they were best friends back in the '90s. So I mean, it was, it was the same stone being offered. Anyway, um, I will say a lot of the people who were involved in 2016 are no longer like actively involved in the party. Um, Part of it is life has changed in the last five, six years for them. Some are actively involved by financing, like they donate to our the stuff that we do within the party. Um, but you know, with with actual attendance and showing up, um they're just not really there. However, I've spoken to a lot of them and they're they're still frustrated with the system. They still, you know, identify as a libertarian. Um, I think that I heard this one time that there's Different kinds of libertarians, which we all know that. But there's the ones who want to do the stuff to help, like make events and promote candidates and like do that kind of work. And then there's the libertarian who just wants to be a libertarian and just like left alone and like let everybody else kind of do everything. And I feel like those people tried to be the doers and realized that that wasn't really where they they excelled at. So they kind of to the wayside. But you know, anytime I reach out to them for a donation to feed the homeless or a financial donation to help with getting supplies for something there. A lot of them are more than eager to help in that way. Mm
1: -hmm. Good. Well, that's good to hear. Um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's so weird because I swear back when I was in like middle school and high school, um, it didn't feel like it does now. Like it feels like we're slowly choking the life out of our neighbors, you know, four years at a time, more and more. And, um, One thing that kind of keeps me optimistic, though, is that it seems like here in Pennsylvania, it's different than some other parts of the country, whereas, let's say, Florida, the Republican Party is particularly strong. And um, there may be a case down there for running Liberty Republicans and maybe going that route, as some people do. Um, in Pennsylvania, it seems a lot different. And I really, really like that because, you know, we're seeing different libertarians get elected as mayors here in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that's going in other states. I can only speak here for Pennsylvania. Um, does that kind of make you optimistic? And when you were out doing work for Tim's campaign, Joe's campaign, um, does it seem like people are more open to that?
2: Yeah, I mean, there we hear it all the time, you know we were trying to collect signatures for ballot access, it was, don't you think there should be a third option? And almost every person was like, yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had some that were like headstrong, diehard Republican or Democrats that are like, no, we only need the two. And the other one's crap. So you need to vote this way. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want you to take our votes. And it's like, well, maybe you should earn them.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'm very, very (laughs) glad you said that. Um, (laughs) This has been something I've really beat on in this show is that, the thing that frustrates me about Liberty Republicans or just the Republican Party in general, um, to give a little bit of background for me, you know, I've grown up here in southwestern Pennsylvania my entire life. And when I walk my dogs in the morning, every single block, there's a Trump flag everywhere. And I work as an auto mechanic. So all these guys are die in the wool, boomer cons. They will never vote for anybody but a Republican, okay. or at least in my experience. And I'm not afraid to tell them, look i will not vote for these genocidal maniacs right i the foreign interventionism and the failing to come through on all the promises as republicans always do um I, I won't vote for them and they'll say well then you're just giving votes to democrats but then if you go to democrats i'll tell you oh well you're just giving oh. votes to republicans um I, I i forget where i was going with that um but i <laughs> oh, no, not your point was um Yeah, they act like it's this binary choice, but I don't see it that way. And if they'll bitch and bitch and bitch about Republicans losing or Democrats losing, but they'll never say, well, why did they lose? There's never the why, you know, what did they do? Why don't they have your vote? And the people who are telling you to vote for them never say, why don't you vote for them? It's always, well, no, 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 they're so bad that you have to vote for my guy it's never, well, you know, Hey, maybe we could talk about this. Just no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Hey, go vote. But make sure you vote for my guy.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I had that conversation so often with people when I was out collecting signatures and the way that I kind of got them to understand that their logic was flawed was, you know, I like French fries at McDonald's, but I don't like anything else. And I like the onion rings at Burger King, but I don't really like anything else. I prefer Wendy's. And if I give my money to Wendy's, Burger King and and McDonald's are not. It, they're it's, nowhere. It's, in that they're, yeah, there's a, there's right. nothing happening to either of them. You know, Burger King is not winning because I went to Wendy's. Like mm-hmm. that's not how this works. My my vote went to Joe Jorgensen. My vote went to Gary Johnson because they are who I believe was the best for our future as a country, mm-hmm. and had the best you know platform and representation. Um, and that was a failure on the other sides on being able to put up someone who was respectable or knowledgeable or likable in some cases. Um, and you know that and when I give them an analogy either with the fast food or with like soda or like ice cream, they're like, oh, I guess, I guess that makes sense. And I'm like, yeah, it does. just because you don't think you think that I should go with one or two doesn't mean that I can't go with three, four or five. nothing happens to one and two except whoever they've either gotten to go to their side or whatever. And um, we saw a lot of eyes open and and a lot of people ended up changing their mind on signing the petition and for ballot access. Mm -hmm.
1: So since you kind of worked on both Gary Johnson and Joe Jorgensen's campaign, um, what would be some of your criticisms of not particularly them, but perhaps the campaign and things that you think you could have done or they could have done differently to perhaps get a little bit better turnout on their parts
2: so that is a loaded question
1: I <laughs> that's say fine this, take your time
2: i say this because our country was in two different spots absolutely with gary johnson we were normal right. <laughs> i say this because it, yeah. we were running Trump. normal and, as it could be <laughs> we were running trump and clinton so <laughs> normal and then with, Gary, with Joe Jorgensen, we were in COVID. We were in early COVID. Mm-hmm. And so there were so many more like hurdles. Um, I will say my criticism with the Gary Johnson campaign um, was more on literature and um, public signs and things of that nature to get out. Also, you know, he, from what I can recall, and I may be misspeaking, but this was my perception of it when I was helping, he was very reluctant to go to a lot of places. Um, more bigger cities and bigger stadiums, you know, aspect. Uh, Whereas, you know, the one thing with Joe Jorgensen's campaign is they got that tour bus, which was a benefit of COVID actually, because no one was having concerts. (laughs) So they were able to get a really good deal on this tour bus. And, you know, she was traveling and Spike was traveling and they were actually boots on the ground, talking to people. I mean, I saw Spike bring people to tears. Like, he was changing people's minds about the about the government, about politics, about their party affiliation, you know, one by one, two by two. Um, but that's not—I mean—as great as that is, that's not a feasible option, too, because there's no way you're going to reach all millions and millions of voters right. before the campaign. Um, so. You know, we did have some hiccups, but I think a lot of it was COVID related um when it came to Joe Jorgensen's campaign. I know we we were really frustrated because we had people asking us for signs and the volunteer t-shirts, and we ended up not getting the volunteer t-shirts distributed until the beginning of October. Right. And we were told that we would have them in August. Ooh. Um yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was more of like a souvenir from the campaign at that point than it was an actual resource for the campaign. And at that time, we had some people who were frustrated that they didn't get the supplies that ended up dropping out of the campaign. So then the T-shirts we had ordered, we had extra. So a lot of it is supply issues. And I think that's kind of expected to be had when we're grassroots campaigning um we're grassroots we we don't have the funds that the republicans and democrats don't have we don't have the connections with printing companies and stuff we have started establishing those um and i've actually utilized them for some of my campaigns ones that we've used for the joe jorgensen campaign but um you know sorry my chair is broken so it keeps dropping me um you're fine (laughs) um you know i think each campaign i feel like we we learn something and we improve Then the next time. So I think that we definitely learned on the literature and the supplies aspect or in the Gary Johnson. And then we did our best, you know, under COVID circumstances with 2020. And I expect in 2024, it'll be significantly better.
1: Right, I kind of feel the same way. Um, It it seems like with Joe Jorgensen, they kind of came in a little too late. because if I remember correctly she got the nomination relatively early 2020 if I'm not mistaken so yeah. she only ha- got- I
2: believe I apologize I believe she actually yeah. ended up getting it at convention itself which uh the official nomination which I believe was in May I could be misspeaking Mm -hmm. um, because I remember the initial colors for the layout were yellow and purple. And then we ended up reverting to the, uh, well, the blue, I can't do this when I'm on the thing with the blue (laughs) and the red and white, the whole mirrored thing throws me off. But we switched from purple and yellow to the, you know, to the red, white and blue color frame. Mm -hmm. And that all happened in a period of like May and June. Um, so I believe it was springtime that she got the nomination, which, but you're absolutely correct. And I, I think this of all campaigns, to be honest, we don't have primaries and what we do at convention. And, you know, I, I was as the manager for Joe and Nicole, we were really hoping at convention last year that we would have been able to do the nomination because, you know, Dr. Oz, He's not nominated, but he's getting all kinds of press coverage. And, you know, Nicole and Joe were out doing stuff this last year, and no one wanted to come and see them because they're not the nominees. And, you know, if you don't have that, you know, fame attached to you, then they don't want to talk to you until you're actually the candidate. And that was a big problem. And that's a big problem when it comes to the national level, too. And I think that we should be trying to nominate our people as early as possible so that we can play the game
1: mm-hmm. yeah I, you know what I agree completely and um, Joe Solowski, I think has quite a leg up on some of the other governors because he was campaigning early early last year so I think that's a big hurdle because when it came to Joe Jorgensen I never even knew who she was until I, probably around may or something like that. And I mean, I've been a registered libertarian since before 2016 and I've considered myself a libertarian since way before that. And I only knew of her for a few months. I donated to her a campaign, which I know that's going to piss some people off. I don't care,
2: <laughs> but, um, it, it's me working it's, on it would piss some other people off or like that too. So, <laughs> well, yeah, but, uh, it, it's, you know,
1: if you don't have the time to kind of get out there and get to know people, then it's going to be so hard for you to kind of get your name out and about. So, you know, when you look at it, just on a piece of paper, Gary Johnson did a lot better than Joe. And I kind of thought like, man, Trump kind of trashed this economy. And I know that's going to piss people off too. But look, the dude locked you in your freaking home. You could say that, oh, well, he fought against it, no, it's BS. He He's the one that stole your purchasing power with all these stimulus bailout packages, all the ridiculous enhanced unemployment benefits. And I know that rubs Republicans the wrong way, but your guy failed you. Know, that just <laughs> is what it is. But, um, you know, had we have had Joe Jorgensen kind of out and about in the spotlight six months sooner, then, you know, maybe her turnout would have been similar of Gary Johnson's or even better. Because I thought it was she was going to do a lot better. But I also feel like, I don't like that she got dragged through the mud for the Black Lives Matter tweet, the infamous tweet. I get it, but I feel like people were almost looking for something to just say.
2: There, Look, <laughs> there was two hiccups in the campaign. There was the Black Lives Matter. As as someone on the campaign and and who you know followed her regularly. I understood what they were trying to convey. They support right, so the movement I. and mm-hmm. not the organization. Right. I still have that argument with people to this day. And I mean, we are we have a new president. So it's been <laughs> a long time for people to dwell on that. Yeah. And then there was the Supreme Court um, nominees, You know, the one where they put out a list of people as potentials and there was one person on there and I forget the name at this point. Right. Uh, that was not a great choice. And mm-hmm. then they realized their mistake And corrected it immediately. Um, So there was those two hiccups. But I think something to also take into consideration is in 2016, there was no incumbent. And traditionally in incumbent years, third parties do not do that well. So that was one of the hiccups that we had going into 2020 was that Trump was running for reelection. So there's the incumbent factor. Um, and you have the, the COVID aspect of everything and the division in the country was at a high peak. Uh, I will say though, and as someone knows better, they should correct me. I believe that money per volunteer or per vote, um, money spent per vote earned was better with Joe Jorgensen than okay. it was with Gary. Gary Johnson and Bill Weld got a huge amount of fundraising and had you know, um, record numbers of money raised. But when you look at the money spent or, and or raised compared to the votes earned, Joe Jorgensen actually did better.
1: Oh, I actually didn't know that. Um,
2: yeah, and <sighs>
1: I talked to Spike about this. He was episode four of this podcast, I believe. Um, He was probably one of the greatest things to come out of that campaign because he's been on fire (laughs) since then. And it's kind of funny because after his presidential race, well, VP race, whatever you want to say, he seems to be way more well-known now than he was then. So I obviously don't know his plans for the future. He's never said anything about running on a national level again, but um, I think nobody could deny the fact that he's been just out there supporting everyone and not even just like one or the other side of the whole libertarian split. But I mean, he is just a very, very vocal supporter of the party as a whole. And I think people should really, really, you know, support him. And people kind of knocked him for the whole transgender genocide thing. And he has since said, like, look, somebody was running my social media page. And he said, look, this was a mistake on my part because I didn't vet everything that came through. But he said, after that, I handled it. So um, absolutely hats off to him. He's an awesome libertarian. He's an awesome person. And I'm very, very glad that he's kind of one of the leaders in this movement.
2: Is Spike, uh, <laughs> we both got to do something so out of the world together the first weekend of like that. And I felt like that kind of bonded us and, and, um, we've stayed really good friends. Um, you know, we've seen each other. He sent messages to my son and we were just, you know, he, so I'm a little biased and, and Tim likes, Tim likes to say that I like to name drop. Um, but when you, have that ability to have like a first time experience with someone and it's their first time experience too. Like, it's just, it bonds you in a different way. Like you have a friendship that's a little bit different than anybody else's. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, we have a lot of inside jokes from that weekend (laughs) alone. Um, And he just, the growth that I've seen in him as a person, as a, as a politician, as a libertarian has been amazing. And I'm so proud of him and the way that he's um, embraced this idly or i i um being an idol in the a libertarian world kind of thing mm-hmm. and he's just he's taken it and he i believe is a man that's pretty true to his word he's not perfect he is not perfect but perfect. not none of us are Absolutely. um but we do the best with the cards that are dealt to us and i think that he is a, a great representative of the party and i mean he's he's got brian and if, if i don't talk about brian brian will, shoot me. Um, because you know, part of his spike success is having Brian on his team and being able to help manage everything. Um, Brian gave me a list of people to reach out to when I announced that I was running for chair and he's like, you definitely have to reach out to Kyle. And I was like, I know Kyle. Cause Tim was on his can- on his podcast and everything like that. Mm-hmm. The, the connections that they have throughout the whole country and trying to just promote, you know, smaller podcasts to larger ones and everything like that. He, it, they work as a team, to really make sure that every voice is heard. And that's, you know, what I think is the the purpose of the Libertarian Party is that individualism and making sure that everyone realizes that their voice should be heard.
1: Right. I completely agree. When you initially messaged me and you said, Brian, I couldn't think for the life of me. <laughs> and now that you just brought him up now, I remember, yeah, Brian say uh, he's an awesome guy. And uh, he also used to work with uh, Larry Sharp, who mm-hmm. I think is one of the greatest people in the Libertarian movement. In fact, he kind of brought me more so into libertarianism back like 10 years ago. And I had him on as well. And that's another guy that just works his ass off. Mm -hmm. He's, he's very solution oriented. And that's something that I think everyone of libertarian ilk should take from is, you know, someone like Larry, who he's not worried about talking about abstractions. He's not worried about, you know where you fall he says all right well let's look at the situation on the ground and let's fix what we can or here's my solution and um he laid out his whole COVID plan actually on the show and um you know obviously on his own and just the the width that that guy has and his ability to speak to people is absolutely incredible so i'm very grateful to be kind of a part of this whole movement with larry and spike um so you were running for what is it eastern vice chair
2: I'm running for chair of the LPPA.
1: Okay, all right. So um, kind of give a breakdown on that, what your responsibilities would be and uh, why you're running. Uh,
2: Well, the LPPA chair is more an administrative role. Uh, They prepare the agenda, collect any motions, any um, business to be added to the agenda, and then they run the meeting. And then in between meetings, they help the committees to perform any duties, be there as a resource. Uh, They help to do any kind of like media coverage, like talking. Um, as you know, the representative from the party, and uh, just kind of being like a sounding board for the different committees to be able to think of new ideas. Uh, it, you know, it's it's not a pretty role. It's not a glamour role. It's really someone who, at the end of the day, takes the brunt of whatever's happening in the party, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And it's being able to take that criticism, whether constructive or negative. And being able to embrace it and then utilize it to to find a solution to whatever problem it is and get everyone. And the main thing is to try and get everyone to to work together. Um, Obviously, like I said, we're all individuals and we all have our own personal agendas and goals and stuff. But finding that commonality to work on together um, is kind of what I also believe is the role of the chair. And I believe I have that skill set having worked on the Joe Jorgensen campaign, um, we all worked together. I worked with Kate Crosby. I worked with Bonnie and Joel and Michelle. I worked with Sam Robb. I worked with Steve and Jen, you know, no personal agendas were had during that. It was all about promoting the campaigns and working together to make sure that we had the most success as possible. And we got minor party status that year. So I think it was successful. And I think, and that's kind of my goal and my views of what the chair is is responsible for um, to answer why I'm running for chair. I was approached by a bunch of people wanting to know if I would be, if I would consider it. And at first I was kind of like, mm, because I'm managing Joe and Nicole's campaigns and I, and I don't want those to fall to the wayside. You know, they're very important. We need to maintain minor party status at least, obviously I would love them to win, but at least we need to, to maintain minor party status for ballot access in 2023. And, um, And then after talking to my family and my candidates and my husband, um, you know, I thought the best thing that I could do for these campaigns is to run for chair. Uh, Because, you know, I talk about how I want all of us to work together and show a united front and that we're all, you know, trying to be as cohesive as possible. And I think by having the state chair going to different events and what have you with the candidates is gonna show the support of the whole party with the candidates and and uh our goal with the candidates you know we just did an event yesterday in lehigh the lehigh affiliate hosted this fundraiser for the candidates and the state party and it was great unfortunately did not have the turnout that you know they were hoping we were hoping for but the people who did show up uh, Lee, Lee, their chair, made a really good point, are the varsity players mm-hmm. <laughs> of the party. Um, you know, there are people we sat around and worked on different things that we could do to help candidates go forward. And, uh, and that's why I ran for chair. Make sure that the, the, the good work that we did with getting 176 libertarians elected this past year doesn't fall to the wayside. We continue that momentum and we push it into our congressional races this year, our Senate, our governor and lieutenant governor races, and we build that momentum there so that when we get into 2023, we can have elected over 300 people into mayors, city council, borough council, constables, maybe even sheriffs. Matt Shutter said he wants to run for sheriff. You know, there's so many, all these positions that we won this past November are great stepping stones. You know, we had success and that's what we need to build on. We need to look at that positive and look that we can turn 176 into maybe double, 350. and like 50. And that's what I wanted to see. I, I want to make sure that the buildings, the, the foundation that's been built by those before me continues to build so that we can see the party succeed because we are the most successful affiliate in the whole country. And some other affiliates may not want to hear that. But I mean, the numbers and the facts speak for themselves. So that, that's why I ran for chair. I want to I want to bring the state together. I want to unify us. And I think working together on campaigns and, and putting up our candidates and giving them the resources that they need and want um, is a crucial thing. And I think that I have the skill set to help that happen.
1: Awesome. Well, um, it definitely seems like your resume would complement that, being that you worked on two different campaigns. Um, What do you think of the whole messaging versus um, I don't know, I don't want to say political route, but uh, the messaging versus political route, because that seems to be a big divide. And I understand both personally, but my question here is, why can we not do both? Um, What are your thoughts surrounding that?
2: Um, I'm not sure. Can you explain a little bit what you mean more political route?
1: Sure. So um, there seems to be a divide in the party. And people think, okay, well, we need to have strong and bold messaging to spread the message. And then some people seem to want to do more. Well, we just need to get people elected. Um, Do you feel like you have to focus on one or the other? Or do you feel like you can do both? Because like I said, it just seems like in both camps, people are arm wrestling this deal. And I've always kind of scratched my head at it because I don't see it as like a one or the other kind of deal. Do you, does that kind of clear it up
2: yeah it does um so what i believe is that we are a political party our goal as a party is to get people elected and our candidates are the messengers they're the ones that give the bold messaging they're the ones because if you and i got out on the street Kyle no one wants to hear from you and me we're just schmucks <laughs> I mean, mean, but, you know, Tim McMaster, who's got the nomination from the party is running, you know, not anymore, but I'm just on history running for the 48th district as a PA senator they're going to want to check out him they're going to want to see what he stands for and why they should vote for him and then in turn the messaging that he conveys is going to then reflect on the libertarian party because we've endorsed him we've nominated him and i think that that's where the bold messaging is should and is coming from in my opinion and you know because when no one's going to want to be told that they need to vote Republican or vote Libertarian or vote Democratic. They want to be told that they should vote for Tim or for Joe or for Sally or for Billy Bob or whoever. They want to be able to relate to a person, not to a party. And um, so I believe that both are key in growing our demographic and our membership. But I believe that that is I believe it's the party up here. And then when we when we support and encourage and nominate the candidates, that they're the ones that do the messaging. Um, because especially since we're the party of individualism, you know, we all agree that we should end the wars. We may have a difference of opinion on how to do that. You know, we all believe that we should have the right to choose what happens to our bodies. But some people might have opinions on how that is, perceived or explained to the public. And I think that when the party conveys those messages, it can kind of lead to the divide that we're seeing in the in the party. So when we show that we have candidates that support the most, most ideals from the Libertarian party, and that they're the ones doing the bold messaging, they can relate to that person. And, and when you have contested races for like governor or lieutenant governor, then you're having those two, so say, say joe, john smith is running against joe Soloski for governor you know um joe Soloski is going to present his his stance on everything libertarian and how he's going to present himself to the state and then john smith is going to present himself and then the delegates at convention are going to pick who they want to choose as the person who best represents the party and that's how we get that bold messaging out there is from the candidates
1: Yeah, I think that's a reasonable way to uh, put it. And like I said, I think some people get a little, as with just about anything, it's always binary extremes, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's got to be all white or it's got to be all black. And sometimes I just, I kind of shake my head at it because I I don't see that I don't see them as mutually exclusive. And it frustrates me that people will argue about something so like, insignificant, Mm -hmm. like that. what did I oh so when it comes to getting people elected um one thing that I've kind of said a lot on this show is that we need better people kind of running and that's I'm not swinging at anybody here but uh you look at uh like Ron Paul's campaign right or how he became a congressman he birthed thousands of people in his district right
0: Mm -hmm. um
1: so it kind of works out to be a demographic thing where everybody knows like you were saying Ron Paul it wasn't we're electing a Republican congressman. It's we're electing Ron Paul. Right. Um, so my whole purpose with this show has been to kind of encourage more libertarians, like, hey, we need to be kind of libertarians last. You follow what I'm saying? We need to be leaders of our community. We need to be outstanding individuals and then libertarians, right? So I don't think we get elected by just saying, hey, look, we're libertarians. You know, We're not Republicans or Democrats. Elect us. We need to be great people in our communities who just so happen to be running as libertarians and then you know when you empathize with people you talk to people and they know you then there will you know you've built capital with these people you built capital with the base with the voters and then they come and vote for you um do you feel like you represent a leader of your community and a potential leader of the party
2: I I think I do. I'm the PTO president at my son's school. I'm uh, one of the main community outreach for my church. (laughs) Um, You know, we go out, I've been in the media a bunch because of Mm -hmm. all the outreach we do in the county. Um, I believe, I agree with you. It ends up, you need to talk the talk that you're going to walk the walk. Absolutely you know, no one's going to believe you stand for this if you don't do it yourself.
1: Absolutely.
2: (laughs) So, you know, that's one of the reasons why I am so involved in everything that I do, because I believe in volunteerism, you know, Mm -hmm. I, you can't tell, you can't tell people that they should be out helping the homeless. If you're not out helping the homeless or Mm -hmm. cleaning up the streets and, you know, when people ask me why I do this stuff, I do, I say, it's my philosophy. And that's why I'm a libertarian, because we believe that when the government is removed, people will step up and they're like, Oh, and then, you know, it opens that conversation. Um, into libertarianism and I've able to like bring people into our philosophy because of my engagement within the community. You know, I don't like to talk too humbly about everything that I do because it's not just me that does it, it's teamwork. It's it's my PTO officers. It's our York County affiliate officers. It's not just Christine out there on the street cleaning up. There's a dozen of us doing it. Um, and that's part of, you know, a good leader. And I'm going to not seem humble at the moment because I'm going to.
1: Uh, you're fine. You're fine. Go ahead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a good leader shows by example, doesn't dictate or tell people what to do. Right. And, uh, and that's how I try and live my life is, you know, if I'm going to tell my PTO, I'm going to move it from the Libertarian party for a second. If I'm going to tell so- my PTO officers that, you know, ask them to be at our fall fest, to volunteer, to make sure it's successful. I'm going to be at our fall fest making sure it's successful mm-hmm. you know because again i can't ask them to do something that i myself am not doing because that's just being a hypocrite absolutely. so you know when i look into the libertarian party and how i feel like i would be a chair you know i i was at every sign wave in york for the joe jorgensen campaign mm-hmm. did i sometimes not want to go absolutely it was cold or it was hot mm-hmm. i had my kid you know i have a seven-year-old you know He wasn't at any of the sine waves, but, you know, it was me taking time away from my child who I share custody with so that I could participate. But I also know that I'm showing him what he's capable of doing by doing all of this. So he sees mom doing this and, you know, it's me being a leader in a community and stuff, but also leader in my family, showing him what he's capable of doing. And, you know, the kids in my school district where I also work saw me in the parades walking and having a voice and telling them that stuff um so yeah I do think I'm a a leader in the community if I'm being braggy um and I I think that a lot of my skills and experience um would translate over to the libertarian party uh I've been active doing all of this stuff since I was like 10 um I was in uh Job's Daughters do you know what that is no do you know who the Freemasons are
1: yeah my dad's a Freemason actually okay
2: (laughs) so Job's daughters are the daughters granddaughters or like relatives of the Freemasons Mm -hmm. and it's an organization uh when I was in it was from 11 to 20 but now it's 10 to 20 and these girls run the meetings Mm -hmm. So I was running meetings as 15 years old using Robert's rules. I was setting agendas at 15 for how to run a meeting. I was organizing fundraisers and events for our local chapter at 15. So, you know, I've been preparing for something of this magnitude for almost 20 years now. Um, So I do believe that I have the experience and goals and I do believe that I'm a leader and I would hope that A lot of people (laughs) would think that too. Um, but obviously I'm not going to tell people what to think or persuade them to make those statements. Uh, I think my actions speak louder than uh, the words.
1: Awesome. Well, I, uh, I'm glad you kind of laid that resume out there. That is very (laughs) impressive actually. And, uh, um, you know, I know that there's a lot of division within the party, but I hope that people can come to appreciate that. And, um, you know, respect you for all that you did, because, um, you know, obviously, I didn't know that we haven't talked that much outside of right now. But um, that is a great resume. And I think that definitely qualifies you as someone who would be a leader and be capable of uniting people and perhaps um, navigating a leadership role. Um, so in the situation, and I don't want to sound like I'm criticizing you because I'm not, no. but um. <laughs> if you were to not win the chair race, um, would you step out of the party or would you continue to work with, um, a, whoever's running against you? I think it's Rob, right?
2: It's Rob. Yeah. Cause Avery yeah. dropped out, uh, during, okay. he actually dropped out during my interview with Cajun, <laughs> which was very humbling. <laughs> um, and he endorsed me during that. Cool. Um, you know, I am going to say, yes, I'm going to stay in the party. Uh, you know there's a lot of division in the party and yes. i want to work to try and improve that and i hope that rob does too um you know a lot of stuff would have to happen for me to move away mm-hmm. from the party because i also feel like i need to know my self worth and if right. you know uh recently i was attacked by some people and um and it wasn't great um it is however expected you know especially running for chair so you know I have to be able to put barriers up to, to protect my mental health. Um, My goal though, is to get libertarians elected and I will do that in any means possible. So if I'm not elected chair, it is what it is. And God has a greater purpose for everything. I truly do believe that. And if it was just to work, to try and unify us, to get stuff put out there that people didn't know before, then I did God's will. And I know some people aren't going to like that because one time when I talked about my faith, I was told, hail Satan. (laughs) So, um, yeah, um, I will not say who that was by though, because Mm -hmm. that would not be right. right. Um, but you know, I do believe that God has a purpose for everything. And if it was just to kind of show that we have the ability to work together and that there are people who do put their time, sweat and tears and, and and money into stuff that you know they might otherwise be able to put towards other things, it, it, then it was worth it. Um, you know, if Joe and Nicole win the camp, the nomination uh, in in March, and I don't win chair, obviously I'm still going to be running their campaign, so I will still be involved in that way. Uh, in the event that they don't, I plan on fully helping anybody who's running for an office, like Liz Tilghman, who does amazing work up north in um, helping her get her almost 5,000 signatures that she needs to get. Awesome. You know, there may be not, there may be stuff on the state level that uh, might not have my interest, but there are things still in the Libertarian Party that take precedent, and that is where I will for sure be focusing my interest.
1: Good, that's very good to hear. It seems like some people on both sides of this split um, are almost like, if this doesn't go my way, I'm going to take my ball and leave. And I think that's such a childish attitude to have, because if we do care about advancing liberty, then we should be willing to work with anybody and everybody, even if we have small ideological disagreements, which everybody does. Let's yeah. let's be honest here. Um, but like I said, if we want to advance a party, if we want to elect libertarians and we want to advance liberty, which I think here in Pennsylvania, um, the Libertarian Party is the best route. To mm-hmm. advance liberty in our lifetimes, I don't think we can sit here and dilly-dally around about small details. Yeah. And you know, if things don't go our way, it shouldn't be. I'm taking everything and I'm leaving, and screw you guys. And that doesn't seem to be your attitude. And no. as far as I know, Rob, and everybody on. Let's. I don't want to put a wide umbrella here, or cast too wide of a net, but it seems like most people on both sides are of the mind of hey. We all need to work together. And even if things don't go our way, we'll still work to uh, advance liberty. Um, do you feel that as well?
2: I do. Um, I try not to associate anybody with caucuses or PACs or right. any kind of organization because I look at someone and I determine whether I'm going to work with them based on who they are, not who they associate with. I think like, that's
1: a much better
0: way. To
2: do I things. just, you know, I, I'll be candid. Uh, Last convention, I was personally attacked on my Facebook page because I was given a free lifetime membership. Someone had donated a lifetime membership to me for my work on the Jorgensen campaign. Um, Now, I will say that I was a 180 person before that because I've been active, you know, since 2018, 2019. Um, This person attacked me on my Facebook page and told me that my vote was bought and was questioning my integrity. And I still voted to work with that person on the committee. I could have said, nope this person attacked me. I don't want nothing to do with them, but I still voted to add them to one of the committees that I'm on. And and you know, I look back and I question <laughs> whether I should have because of some of the strife, you know, but that person has a skill set that I, is not necessarily a skill set that I have. And you know, and I realized that for the party to grow, it takes different kinds of people with different kinds of outreach and different skill sets. And while I may not like that person as an individual, I have to respect the skill set that they have and see the benefit of it for the whole party.
1: Right. And I think it's a very adult way to look at it. I think it's a way that we all should look at it. Um, there are certain things that I'm good at that you may be good at, um, you know, as an automotive mechanic. There are certain things I can't fix on cars that well versus the guy <laughs> two stalls down for me. He's like, oh, yeah, this will take me 10 minutes here. Give that to me. Um, I think that we all do need to kind of look at where we have specialties and where we don't, it's just about with any facet in life. You know, I'm a musician, I'm a mechanic, I'm an athlete. Those are the things I'm good at. Um, I couldn't tell you how to dance. I couldn't tell you how to, you know, bend over backwards and touch your toes. I, <laughs> that's not my thing. <laughs> um, so kind of closing out here. Um, the two questions I ask every guest and I'll have one question obviously after all this, um, what does liberty look like to you?
2: Liberty looks like to me, the ability to live your life the way you want to without hurting other people. I, it, you know, I'm not gonna say that it should be everyone wears a mask or everyone doesn't wear a mask or everyone has abortion or everyone doesn't have an abortion because those are personal choices when it comes down to the individual. And it, who am I to say you know, what that looks like for you? But I think that liberty looks like everyone being able to make the decision that's best for them. Mm-hmm. And everyone respecting that at the end of the day, whether they agree with it or not.
1: Cool. Well, I think it's a uh, a great way to put it. Um, what does health look like to you?
2: Health looks like kind of the same thing, honestly. <laughs> you know, being able to make those personal choices. You know, I'm not in the best shape of my life, uh, but I do my best to get to the gym and to eat healthy, mm-hmm. and um, and I make sure that my mental health is taken care of too. And like I said, you know, putting up those barriers and and respecting the fact that sometimes I need to decompress, and I think everyone needs that ability, whether um, it be going to the gym or your church or to the bar, if that is your poison, so to speak. Um, you know, everyone needs that ability to kind of, comp- you know, decompress and and being able to recognize that and recognize what your body needs, whether it be um, nutrition or anything like that, is what a uh, proper health looks like to me.
1: Cool. All right. Well, uh Christine, it's been uh, fantastic. Where um where can everybody find you? Where can people support you? And uh yeah, anything you got going on, go ahead, and plug away. <laughs>
2: um I have a Facebook page. It's just Christine Kousler Womack at L- for LPPA chair. Um and on there you'll find some more information about who I am, um, uh, things that I'm doing. Last last weekend I was actually out in the western side of the state at Westmoreland and um, up in towards Butler. And then this past weekend I was in Lehigh. Uh, and then at the end of the month, the weekend before convention, I'll be up in Bradford County with Liz Williger at her homeless event. So that's a great opportunity to help with the community and walk the walk and talk the talk, um, you know, but I, I don't want you, I want your support, but I want you to um, figure out who you believe is gonna be the best for the state party and moving it forward. And if that's not me, it's not me. Um, But, you know, we have a huge momentum that we should be keeping going forward. And that is the the purpose of, in my opinion, of voting at convention, um, is to maintain the status quo that we have so far and increase it and improve it. And, uh, you know, personal agendas and personal egos should be set aside. um, And it should be looking at the work that people have done that they do and that they want to do and the commitment that they can make to that. So um, I'm open. I'm pretty transparent. Um, I try to live my life as an open book and not hide anything because I believe that that's how we should live our life. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on my LPPHR page.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. And um, I think this is a great interview. And I think people will um, hopefully kind of see you past what initial preconceptions people may have had um I'm glad that we got the chance to talk I will have uh your um I don't want to say opponent but uh, <laughs> Rob we will be coming on uh here shortly okay and um yeah I'm glad that we got the chance to talk thank and thank you for
2: um, having me on I appreciate it
1: oh of course and I hope everybody goes and checks you out and I hope to see uh you and everyone else at the LPPA convention here in about uh what two two and a half weeks or so uh well
2: it was three weeks from yesterday.